Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Spectacular catch! They're saying it's a catch! Touchdown! You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my god, that's incredible! Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? (laughs) And we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your week. 15 NFL betting preview. I am joined, as always, by my Action Network colleague, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. Stucky, what's going on? How's your week? You have a pretty big lead this year. You're up 10, 42-32, so I know you're enjoying that. It was a good week. Dolphins late field goal kept me from a sweep. And then, you know, in 2020, I actually made it to a live NFL game, and it happened to be the game of the year, and it happened to be my Ravens winning and it happened to be a Justin Tucker 55 yard game winning field goal. And it happened to keep their playoff chances alive and the Super Bowl futures that I added no complaints here, but just like the bad weeks we forget and move on to the next week. So ready to get to work here. Yes, sir. And we will hop into our Thursday night football preview. We got some Saturday games, which will be included on the Sunday six pack. So we'll be choosing from among those games when we draft our top six sides. Uh, But before we kick things off, uh, three very quick reminders. Number one, if you plan to bet the NFL this season and have it downloaded the free award-winning Action Network app, what are you doing? It's got betting tools, analysis from myself, Stucky, and the whole Action Network team. And it lets you track every bet that you make. Number two, if you want a chance at a free Vegas vacation, don't forget to enter our free custom weekly DFS contest, the Action Pods Tournament of Champions, presented by Bet. MGM 15 spots in our wildcard weekend grand finale are still up for grabs. So follow the link in this episode description and join for free today and three, a quick programming note about the action network podcast in the coming weeks. Don't worry. Stucky and I will continue our NFL betting episodes every Thursday until the end of the season. But next Wednesday, we'll also have our annual Christmas NBA betting episode hosted by my guy, Matt Moore with new NBA episodes coming every week starting in January. And finally, between now and New Year's Eve, my guy Stucky, 
Colin Wilson will be delivering their traditional college football bowl game betting previews with four incredible episodes breaking down how to bet every single bowl game on your holiday gambling calendar. So keep an eye and an ear out for those. Thanks for listening. College basketball is coming right after college football, right into that. So keep your, keep your uh, eyes and ears out for those as well. We're doing it big to end 2020. Let's get into our Thursday night football week 15 preview. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. For week 15, we have the Chargers fresh off their first win in, I don't know how long, going against the Raiders in Vegas. Chargers are plus three, a little bit juiced uh, to the Raiders side. Raiders minus 115 at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the podcast. The total is 53 and a half. Stuck thoughts on this game. If you are a big fan of any of the AFC playoff contenders outside of the top two. So, you know, the, uh, the Steelers at 11-2, they're in. The Chiefs are 12-1, and they're in. But if you are a fan of the Dolphins, the Browns, the Ravens, the Titans, the Colts, you are big, big Chargers fans tomorrow night. So, at the Raiders lose this game, they drop the 7-7. Seven seven. They play the Dolphins next week. And depending on what happens with the Dolphins this week against the Patriots, we'll get to that game. If the Raiders lose, uh, that Raiders-Dolphins game essentially will be an elimination game. And if you're an, a fan of an AFC team in contention, you want these teams taking losses. This is what you have to pay attention to. So I, I think I make this game two and a half. So I do see a, a bit of value on the Chargers. If you could get a flat three and a half, uh, you know, obviously three is a key number. I would look that way. I, but Really how I think I would attack this game at three is I think it's just a really good teaser piece. I think this game will be close, just like most Chargers games. The Chargers, if you teased every side, both sides of every Chargers game this year, played 13 games. You And that, this is including awful teasers, like teasing across the zero. You'd be 24-2. and two. Those teaser pieces have gone. That's ridiculous. Um, so basically they just got blown out against the Patriots on special teams flukes, and then everything else is – under 10 points, depending on what number you got in the Dolphins game, you could be 25 and one. So it's insane. So I think this is a good teaser piece. We're going to get to a lot more teaser pieces later in the weekend, but if you want to tease it with say like the bears, I think that's a good look, but at this game, you know, late season division game chargers should be up for it. Uh, it's a chance to try to ruin the Raiders season. The Raiders are kind of regressing here. We know their defense has been so bad. They also have some injuries on the defensive side. And now their offense is just – it was playing at an elite level, really. It was playing at a top-five level through the first 10 weeks of the season, and it needed to. This Raiders team – this Raiders offense needs to play at a top two or three level in order to compete in the AFC to make up for their defense. And it just couldn't maintain that level. Now you don't have rugs. It's going to hurt your deep shots a little bit. I expect them to be able to run the ball on the soft chargers defense a bit, but uh, this game should be a one-possession game, so – not much we don't know about these teams already. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it qualifies as a pretty good teaser piece for Thursday night. Nothing, nothing mind-blowing here to offer about this game. 
Yeah, I make it three and a half. So I'm actually on the other side of the number. Um, but I do agree. I think it, if you're betting straight spread and, and it's pretty much in line with the with what we have, I mean, you're a half a point one way, I'm a half a point the other way. But my thing is just Anthony Wynn on short prep <laughs> just worries me. Especially that's with, a good thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right. Like what's the other team also be unprepared. But I, I do trust Gruden in a spot. Um, some of the Raiders like absences though are a little, you know, worrisome you know abram and and arnett you know they're missing guys in their secondary uh they're missing you mentioned their deep threat rugs uh now the chargers denzel perryman still looks like he's gonna miss again he was he was playing really well um before he went down bulaga uh he's out with a concussion so that's not ideal alan eckler mike williams top three offensive skill players all popped up on the injury report, all limited in practice this week. Uh, looks more maintenance related. Williams did weave the, the last game, but uh, could be a, could be a kind of a sneaky under game now with, with rugs out especially, but uh, just, I, I don't trust win on short, on short prep, but uh, I do think it will be a close game. So that's actually a great, that was a great uh, nugget on the teasers. Like, cause I mean, this is, it's like rivers all over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. And and one thing I'll say is, you know, the ideal teaser is if you go through three, four, six, and seven, primarily three and seven, and you know, three is the the number that comes up more frequently than any other final margin in the NFL. But if you're, you know, if you think that the line is below three, then it's basically the same thing because you're if you tease a six point teaser to nine, if it ends nine. It games rarely ever end on nine, but if it ends nine and you teased it up, you would lose anyway, you know, compared to teasing it to plus eight and a half. So for me, especially since I make this under three, it's basically the same thing as teasing up from two and a half. Uh, I think that this, this should be an entertaining game um, and late, late game Lynn calls. Uh, they might not, they shouldn't impact uh, your, teaser but they might end up deciding who wins this game absolutely by the way lynn did it again did you see the the at last was that last week with uh yeah gets the at the end of the her first half against the falcons yeah they ran it without timeouts and they, they didn't know if they were to kick in a field goal and they didn't get it off yeah like i, I was feeling good about that the, that falcons bet until you know later in the game but of course the falcons still still can still can falcon but I'm not mad at it. I, like, if, I had, if I was forced to choose a side straight up for this game, I'm, like, for the rest of the year, I, I'm just betting against Anthony Wynn that, like, on principle. But, uh, yeah, I think the team is a much better call here. Uh, so that was, uh, that was great. Those are great numbers. Let's get our pep talk in early because I mentioned it, you know. I'm, I would bet against Anthony Wynn. I think he's a nice guy. I think you think he's a nice guy. He must be a nice guy because why else would he still be employed? But it's been a disaster season. For the Chargers, some of his calls coming into play in, in, in determining that. So we are going to go ahead and dedicate this week's Coach's Pep Talk to Anthony Wynn. It comes to us from the 2017 film Fist Fight. And again, dedicated to our guy, Anthony Wynn. <laughs> Guys, you know, uh, look, you try to be a nice guy, right? And, and treat everyone with respect, but you don't get it. You don't get it back in return. You know why? Because nice guys, they finish last. Yeah. And, and you're, you're going to say, hey, I'm a nice guy. I I'm doing okay. And the world is going to unzip its pants, pull them down, and take a giant fucking shit all over you guys. I just can't win, guys. 
I cannot win. Nice guys finish last also reminds me of like this is gonna go back to like my high school days. That Green Day song, Nice Guys Finish Last. That was a great song. But you want to hear something funny? I was reading the other day. I tweeted this. Uh 2018, Matt Nagy edges out Anthony Lynn for NFL coach of the year. Pretty funny to look back on both <laughs> stand now. Oh man. I mean, it, you see this a lot though. Like you get a coach, they'll have like one good year. And then Especially when ex- gotta, expectations are low. Right. And you're, yeah. I mean, wasn't uh, – Dan Quinn was in a Super Bowl at one point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> shit, shit happens. Shit happens. So, there's your Thursday night football matchup. The Chargers plus three against the Vegas Raiders. Tease it. Tease them Chargers up. That's the play here. And speaking of Thursday night football, BetMGM has a great sign-up offer for the game. New customers bet a dollar to win 100 in free bets. If either team scores a touchdown, just sign up and make your first bet using bonus code ACTION100. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTION100 to bet $1 and win 100 in free bets. If either the Raiders or the Chargers score a TD, in tonight's Thursday night football game. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. Stuck, let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open... The Sunday Six Pack. All right. For this week, again, you have the big weed and you have the first pick. Where are you going? Yeah, it's not over yet by any stretch. You just need a couple big weeks and have me stumble. And this, we have all the playoffs too for this contest. So, by the way, uh, 2016 Jason Garrett, NFL coach of the year. Oh my God. Um, the, yeah, this week I think is the, it's, the last most, just from, from me personally, the last most difficult NFL betting week of the year. So, like, as you go on throughout the year, lines get more efficient. And when lines are more efficient, by the way, teasers are, especially if you're going through key numbers, are even more valuable. But lines are getting more efficient as the year goes on. Market's getting more efficient. And I, I show that my numbers every year. It's just harder to find as many big edges. And you would say, well, why is it this week, not the next two weeks? Well, the next two weeks, you have a lot of teams that are going to be in must-win situations. We're going to talk about this a lot. And a lot of the time, there is going to be value. And I'll get into this. I'll write up a piece backing the teams that are playing for nothing. Um, but So there are certain things I love about Week 16 and 17. Uh, so, again, this is a pretty efficient uh, market this week for Week 15. But I, do fi- I-, I did find a couple bets that I do like. Let's start my original – First pick, two-pointer. The line has moved on me, so I'm going to save that. For my first pick of the Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the New England Patriots plus two-and-a-half at BetMGM. I hope this one makes you cringe. I hope most of my NFL bets make you cringe. That's, uh, that's usually my, my litmus test for it. Okay. I like this because I'm. I love this one. So, like, I I mean, this is like your Bears one from last week. It's like, I I think maybe most people out there might go, oh my God. But remember, this is coming from the guy who pretty much made my whole year last week by fading Cam Newton. Like, I have never had so much action riding on one player. I just faded, I just found every Cam prop on every side I could. 
and just hit the under. So that was that was that was very well executed. It's a great buy low spot on the Patriots after they were embarrassed. Now they have extra prep for Bill Belichick. And by the way, Bill Belichick off double digit loss, nineteen and five against the spread. That's just under eighty percent since two thousand three in our Action Labs database. What does he have extra prep for here? Facing a rookie quarterback. Russell Wilson, future Hall of Famer, defeated Bill Belichick as a rookie in 2012. Since then, rookie quarterbacks are 0-11 against Bill Belichick. And in those games, they have a total, 11 games, seven touchdown passes, 17 interceptions. They've completed 50.7% of their passes with an average yards throwing mark of 162 yards. They average 162 yards through the air in those games. Uh, I mean, it's just been atrocious. And look, some of them have been bad quarterbacks. Some, some quarterbacks you're going to have that are rookies that are, that are, that are poor. Uh, you know, Nathan Peterman is in that list. Uh, I think Kessler is in that list. But, yeah, I mean, you have Derek Carr, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, you know, Daniel Jones last year. Herbert this year is a great example of it. Quarterbacks that are – that have played well as rookies that just are completely confused. Uh, and Belichick will come up with something. And I've talked about this with Herbert. There's, you know, there's times against zones in college where he's looked really confused and Belichick took advantage of some of the things that he saw with Herbert. I think he looked at his extra prep here too. He's going to do that with two. He's going to throw a bunch of different looks at him. Uh, it would not shock me here if Tua has a horrendous, horrendous game. He's looked a little better the past two weeks, but there's still deficiencies in this passing offense. There's still injuries on the outside. Uh, and I think it's just a great matchup on paper for the Patriots. What can the Patriots do? They can run the ball. It's a top 10 rushing offense. What can't they do? They can't throw the ball. It's a bottom five passing offense. Well, Miami has a top five passing defense and bottom 10, bottom five rush defense. So their strength as a pass defense doesn't really matter here with the Patriots. The Patriots can't really throw it on anybody. You can run on Miami, which is what I expect New England to do here all day. And the other side of the ball, the Patriots' run D has been atrocious. I mean, so bad. It's a rebuilt front seven. They're number 28 DDOA. But that's not something Miami can really exploit. They're 25th in the NFL in that same measure, DDOA, in rushing offense. Patriots' pass defense, it was really questionable early on in the year, there's still talent back there. It's been trending up. So I just think the, the matchup here is great. Last year, week 17, the Dolphins went up as, what, 17-point underdogs and spoiled New England's party, cost them a bye with a shocking upset. I think New England returns the fa- – how the tables have turned, by the way. I think New England goes down to Miami, returns the favor, and plays a little spoiler in – potentially ruining Miami's playoff chances. Obviously, they can still lose this game and get in the playoffs, but that will make next weekend's game against the Raiders a lot bigger. So, like the spot, like the matchup. And this Miami did look, it's playing well. They've still been benefiting from so many turnovers. And they're 10-3 and three against the spread. That's the number one mark in the NFL. But look at last week. They turned Mahomes over a bunch. Just There's so many fluke turnovers the Dolphins get. There was like a drop. Mahomes somehow had like his first inaccurate pass of the year, but it like the tipped off of a – receiver's hand and then right to a defender so their deep their pass defense is good and they're going to bring a lot of pressure but you can run on them and this turnover regression is coming for Miami so try to get the three I'm going to wait for it I already teased them 
it's a great teaser piece, plus two and a half up to eight and a half. I think Tua really struggles here. Great spot to get Belichick uh, off a loss with extra prep against a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I like it. I think this is a classic New England spot, like long rest and going to face a rookie QB. That's perfect. And Cam Newton, I mean, as bad as he was last week, you look at him and this is ha- this has been historically the spot to back him too. He's forward two as an underdog this year, 37 and 24 as an underdog in his career, according to our Action Labs database. So um, this is kind of a, it's a bounce back spot for him. It's a bounce back spot for the Pats. Uh, I like to call it a lot, actually. This is, uh, this is one I kind of, like, I, I expect New England to win this, win this game, point by period. So, like it. Agreed. Agreed. First, all the pressure on the rookie quarterback to all the pressure on Miami. New England can still make the playoffs technically. They need to win out, and they need three of the following five things to happen. Browns lose their final three. Uh, it's going to be tough. Colts or Titans lose out. It's going to be tough. Dolphins lose at least two of their final three. That could happen if the Patriots win this week. Raiders lose at least one of their final three. That could happen. And then you need the Ravens to lose two of their final three. They have a really easy schedule. So they need three of those five. So there's a chance, New England, they're not mathematically eliminated, which means I think that they'll play everyone that they need to at the minimum. Yeah, I think you get the Patriots' best effort here. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. For the number two pick in the Week 15 Sunday six-pack, my number one pick this week, I am going with a team whose matchup I really love, and San Francisco, minus three against Dallas, coming off a loss. And I didn't ex- – like, my numbers came out pretty high on San Francisco. I didn't expect to be on them uh, as much as I am. But looking into this matchup, this is, this is not a matchup that Dallas wants. San Francisco, if you look at what they can do, they can play defense. Uh, they can cover now. You know, the, the defense is healthy enough. Fred Warner did practice on a limited basis this, um, as we record this on Wednesday, which is big. But look at Dallas since Dak went down. And what has given them problems? It's been teams that can play D. It's been – they played Cincinnati last week. They've, they put up 30 points. But you look at their other matchups this year. They play Pittsburgh, 19 points. Uh, Philly would throw that out. They only scored nine, but that was the Danucci game. And the other Washington game, they scored three. That was Dalton got hurt. But Minnesota is kind of struggling, 31 points. Washington, good D, 16 points. Baltimore got healthy, 17 points. Now, on the other side, Dallas, before they gave up seven to Cincinnati, 34, 41, 28, 24, 23, 25, 38, 34, 49, 38, 39, 20. Dallas's defense under Mike Nolan has been a disaster. San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, one of the best teams in terms of scheming mismatches in the run game. Their running backs are healthy enough right now. Mostert and Wilson look like they're going to play. Uh, you, got, you still got McKinney's probably not going to be used, but Coleman. So you got four backs that you can use. This is the matchup for San Francisco. You look at what happened against Washington, who 
I, that was my money line dog last week. I was not surprised at all that Washington pulled off that upset. Uh, I think Washington's a dangerous team for the rest of the year. But Washington had two, two defensive touchdowns. Chase Young just took over that game. He scores one. And then uh, Cameron Curl, who's been playing really well in the secondary, he scores one. So San Francisco really has gave up in that game. What was it? Nine points on offense. They should have really given up 12 because there was also a missed field goal in there. But uh, San Francisco's not going to let you run them out of the building uh, offensively. They can run the ball. Dallas is 27th to run defense DVOA. Dallas has not been scoring against, you know, above average defenses. And they've been giving up above average point totals to pretty much every offense this side of Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley. So like San Francisco, minus three on the road in Dallas here. Yeah, I think I disagree here, but I just I just don't have a good read on this game. My problem is I I just I can't figure out San Fran's gonna miss Samuel. He went out early last week. I, I do know that. He just he brings another dimension that are offense and Debo, I believe, is on IR now. I just can't figure out how to grade and rate Nick Mullins. Like I and I've said this before on the podcast. Sometimes and and you have to remove his garbage time stats. For whatever reason, he's like the garbage time goat. But sometimes I think he's the same as Jimmy G. Sometimes I'm like, wait, is he better? Sometimes I'm like, he's atrocious. So, I mean, obviously, how you rate a quarterback is going to really influence where you set a line. So, I, don't, I just don't have a really good feel for Nick Mullins. He hasn't been playing well the past couple weeks, but they've been playing some really good defenses, to be fair. Both of these teams have played two of the three most difficult schedules of opposing defenses. So, you know, there's some talent on these offenses. I, I don't have any doubt that San Fran will be able to run – on Dallas. Um, how healthy is San Fran's secondary? I don't know. Can can the Cowboys make some plays with their receivers? Sure. Maybe it's a sneaky over. I have this just around two, but I struggle with Mullen. So I, I don't really have a great rebuttal with you. Um, from a side perspective, uh, this is a pure stay away from me. He was so he was terrible against Washington. Like I, I'll give you that. But this is this is why I like San Francisco based as a matchup play because number one, Samuel one of the underrated reasons he's so important is in when you face good run defenses, he's an extension of the run game. In this particular matchup, they don't need that. They can, they can run with their straight-up backs. Nobody's better at scheming up like run plays against bad run defenses than Shanahan. And then can Dallas make plays with their receivers? I mean, if you watch Andy Dalton play, uh, I think it, it, maybe the last game or game and a half, he's been throwing a few more downfield, but generally – not really a, a guy that's getting the ball downfield. He's trying to get it out quick. San Francisco is going to be all over that stuff, and they can get enough pressure to disrupt them. So this is really a matchup play. Like, you, like, you know, they have to win by more than a field goal here, and I think they do it. I think, I think Dallas is just getting the respect of the three based on their blowout of Cincinnati, which we know is like a minor league team at this point. Yep, fair enough. Relentless, refusing to give up. Um, all right, for my second pick, of the Sunday six-pack, I'm going with a Saturday play. I'm going with the Denver Broncos plus six at BetMGM. I found a set plus seven, minus 115. I would buy it up to seven, up to minus 120, if you can uh, find that. It's since come down from six and a half down to six, which is what I'll take here. Um, I do make it just a touch under five. Now, look, the Bills have been playing fantastic football. Come on now, the Bills are making it happen now. Stand up now, come on and shout.
over the last six or seven weeks are number one in offense success rate. Their defense is playing at a top 10 level. We talked about last week why their defense has been trending in the right direction. You know, part of it has been scheme changes. They've gotten healthier. They realign their linebackers. They've just done a lot of things. It's a great coaching staff. And then their offensive line is even playing a lot better now. This is an offense that only allowed Josh Allen, who takes a while to throw the ball, relative to an average NFL quarterback, to be pressured on 13% of his dropbacks last week. That's elite. Against the Steelers. Pat Roethlisberger was pressured on over 35% of his dropbacks. So every aspect of this Bills team is playing at an elite level right now. Um, so what, what does that mean in, in the NFL? And, and, they, and they just started on back-to-back weeks in primetime. They come out and they really put it to San Fran, and they were clearly the better team against Pittsburgh. Everyone sees that. So what's going to happen? And they're, they're going to Saturday on a short week to the altitude of Denver to play the Broncos. Everyone wants to bet the Bills, right? Which is why you're probably getting some value here, which is why I was able to get some seven, why I still think six has some value. And on top of that, you just have the potential for a little bit of an emotional letdown, a hangover after these two big primetime games for Buffalo. Uh, It's just a perfect sell-high spot on the Bills, who I like, and I like everything that they're doing, and I think that they're going to be a scary out in the playoffs. They probably find a way to win this game. I know that – Denver's secondary is really banged up, and they don't have their two top corners still. But the defense is still very well-schooled. They still have really good safeties. The focus is still on taking away the big play. So I think that they can potentially force Josh Allen to a mistake or two here. They can run the ball. Remember, that was one of the things I said about Pittsburgh. I should Pittsburgh last week. They can't run the Pittsburgh can't run it. Um, that's really how, how you have to attack this Buffalo defense. So um, – I know the Broncos have some concerning injuries to keep an eye on, um, but this is just a great sell high spot on Buffalo. I'll take the Broncos as a home dog, plus six at BetMGM. I would take anything at six or above. Ideally, you obviously want seven here, um, so monitor the market. Like I said, I would buy it up to minus 120. Yeah, I have it at five and a half, so a little bit of value. That five and a half is really just coming from, I, I do think Denver, especially this time of year, has a little more of a home field advantage than most teams, which is pretty much some semblance of one because there really hasn't been one uh, this season as far as home teams. I think I really do like what Buffalo is doing. Uh, I think they're one of the best coach teams in the league. I think that this matchup would be a lot tougher or a little bit tougher for Denver if John Brown was back healthy. Um, Gabe Davis has still played well for a rookie in that spot, but I mean, Buffalo is doing everything right. They're, they're like passing more, even though they have a quarterback that most people, you know, the first couple of years they kind of spent hiding. They're, they're not afraid to pass the ball. Uh, I think you mentioned it. They're using uh, AJ Klein a, a lot more smartly now with, with, with Milano back. And they, they're not afraid to like bench veterans like Josh Norman. He hasn't really played much. So uh, like everything they're doing, I don't see quite as much value, but I, I do kind of get it. Uh, I was kind of a little bit surprised Denver beat up on Carolina. Well, I didn't beat up on them, but surprised they put up that many points on them last week. Um, I think this game actually could be a sneaky over too, because you look at what Buffalo, just how Buffalo's playing. They're passing so much Denver with the weaknesses on the back end. Uh, but Denver, you know, they can kind of stay ahead of the chains as well, or, or at least, you know, in it with, um, with Gordon and their, their rookies are coming together. Locke is making some strides. So um, don't hate it. Uh, but uh, definitely see, definitely see the uh, appeal for a letdown spot here. Uh, question on Josh Allen. Just curious to get your thoughts on it. I, it's kind of been a widely accepted belief that you can't teach 
accuracy, right? For the most part, you can teach a lot of things. You can't teach speed and you can't teach just inherent accuracy. It's one of the things that people say, all right, can, is that the ceiling of Lamar Jackson? That's what, is that what's going to hold him back after teams have adjusted? But the same thing was said about Josh Allen. And, and he's obviously a lot more accurate than he was. And the argument for that maybe he's an exception to the rule is he started playing football late. He played it in a college where, you know, they were a running team, Wyoming, in like horrible weather. And he wasn't like throwing the ball 30, 40 times. So maybe he's just, you know, was on a track that was behind, you know, as far as timing is concerned, a delayed track compared to some of these other quarterbacks. Uh, are, you, are you now a believer in Josh Allen or do you still have some doubts? I am a believer in Josh Allen. I actually, this is a good question because this is something I brought up before the season. And I think that his accuracy issues coming out of college were real. But I think in, once he got to the league, I think they were overstated because, and I, and I, I kind of pulled the splits before the season, but there were two things that really stuck out when you looked at Josh Allen. Number one was his numbers throwing to Zay Jones, who during his time in Buffalo was essentially the worst wide receiver in the league. Like Josh Allen throwing to Zay Jones, who was his most targeted receiver for a good chunk of his career, uh, was under 50% completions. It was like, you know, four yards in attempt. I mean, it was, it was bad. And then last season he has John Brown, you know, to, to throw deep to, but the rest of his deep targets were Cole Beasley, Rob Foster, Zaya McKenzie, uh, just, you know, got, you know, kind of replacement level players that you really shouldn't be targeting deep. And he was something, I think, I believe it was like three for 27, targeting non-John Brown receivers, 20 yards or more down the field. Well, now you, you gave him Davis, you gave him Stephon Diggs, who last year was the best deep ball receiver in the game. And you're seeing an improvement in accuracy. I don't think that's an, an accident. You look at his deep adjusted completion rate this year, and he's 14th in the week. So, you know, I think that's, that was responsible for a lot of the jump. And uh, Dable, the OC, has done a great job kind of scheming, re scheming things for him. But uh, I think he was just a little ac more accurate this whole time. And he was just really kind of set back by, like, his receiving core. Remember, it wasn't – I think they even had – Kelvin Benjamin, when he first his first year in the week, like they it, Charles Clay, Jason Kroom. I mean, they had just a bottom of the barrel receiving core for his first like year year and change in, in Buffalo. Then they got Beasley, you know, Beasley and, and Brown, and then Diggs and Davis, and I think that just made a huge difference. Fair. NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right. For my number two pick and the number four overall pick of the week, 15 Sunday six-pack. I am going with the 
Philadelphia Eagles plus six and a half at the Arizona Cardinals. Jalen Hurts, you know, it's 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 not perfect. He's gonna run. He's gonna scramble out. I believe his scrambling percentage is on sixteen point seven percent of dropbacks. But uh, clearly, it's working more than Carson Wentz, who you know just kind of skittish in the pocket. Just it just didn't work for him, and he doesn't have the kind of playmaking ability with his legs, you know, for the defi- to match the deficiencies of the Eagles' offense, which is they, the receivers aren't going to get open that well. So. I was impressed with Philly in that first game against New Orleans. Remember, New Orleans is number two in defensive DVOA. This is a, an excellent defense versus both the run and the pass. They're top five. Philadelphia put up 413 yards of total offense. That was their second most total yards of the season. So I just like that Philadelphia ha- – and, and, you know, now you have a game, game of film on hurt, so probably not as huge of an advantage, but – Arizona's defense is not nearly on the caliber uh, of New Orleans. Arizona is kind of your league average, slightly above average team in, in all facets generally. But so getting six and a half here, uh, I love it. And then for a game, I think Philly can win. Now, the one thing that's concerning is Philadelphia, you know, really banged up. No secondary. Right. In the secondary. And we'll see about Slay. Um, that would obviously be huge. So with, if Slay is out, I make this line about 5.8. Uh, and if he's in, I have it closer to 5.2, 5.3. So still have it under the number, but obviously would like it a lot more. That's why uh, I picked it first in our draft, but I ended up going with San Francisco because I really love the matchup uh, for our first pick. But uh, still, either way, this is a game that Philly can absolutely win. Uh, you know, beating New Orleans, I think, you know, even people are going to look and say it's Taysom, but – forget Taysom, forget the New Orleans offense. They scored 21 points for Philly to put up, you know, 413 yards of offense. Miles Sanders is going to benefit. We know he has big playability. He's going to benefit from that, you know, dual threat at quarterback. And that's what you need when you have a running back that, you know, he'll have his slow games. We kind of were like, what's going on with him? Giving us nothing with Wentz, but we've seen him bust big plays, you know, pretty consistently for most of the year. Uh, And that was back. And I think that's no surprise that it was with, with uh, Hertz and you know, the Cardinals, they're again, they're like this, they're, I think they now at this point, they're kind of true to what their record is. They're seven and six. Uh, they're league average. They're kind of right about league average, a little bit above. Kyra Murray's going to make some plays with his legs. Jalen Hertz is going to match it. Uh, their defense, they're going to blitz. They're going to get some pressure. Philly's going to blitz. Philly's going to, I mean, Philly's not going to blitz, but Philly's going to get some pressure. They're both pretty high in pressure and pressure rate. Um, I, I just think it's a much more evenly matched game. Uh, than uh, than close to you know getting the the, the touchdown here. So going with Philly plus six five. Yeah, I struggle. This was going to be one of my picks. I'm just struggling adjusting the Eagles. I'm struggling with two things in this game. Number one is adjusting the Eagles on the surface after adjusting just for last week's results. I made this this game Arizona minus four and a half, and. But then you have all these secondaries. I mean, you have McLeod, their safety is out. He's done, yeah. One of their starting – yeah, he's, he's out. Uh, Avanti Maddox is out. And now you have Slay with a concussion. He's possibly out, which means if all that happens, you're moving Jalen Mills, who's at safety, to corner, which means that from you know two weeks ago, your four starting defensive backs, you have zero of them in their where they were before. Because even when – in nickel and dime packages, which you're going to have to play a lot against Arizona. Roby Coleman is then playing one of the other outside slots, and he's usually playing 
slot. He probably will still play slot and nickel and dime slots. But then you're having Kevin Seymour come in. Your safeties will be Marcus Epps and a rookie, Kayvon Wallace. Like, it's dicey. So the question then I have is, you know, the Cardinals, the Cardinals are very effective at running the ball because they spread you out. But the Eagles, that's still their strength, their run defense. Can Kyler Murray take advantage of this Eagles defense? Throwing the ball against a depleted secondary and running it. The Eagles have really struggled with mobile quarterbacks this year. Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones. If you isolate running backs, Eagles are one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Mobile quarterbacks have really given them trouble. I just don't know. I can't figure out if Kyler Murray is fully healthy. He just hasn't looked right over the past month. He's going out of bounds more on runs. He's not taking as many shots. The numbers just aren't there. He doesn't look as comfortable. But it seems to me, and I keep reading, that it's an injury that could just go away. And all of a sudden, he'll be fine. I, but I thought that for the last couple of weeks. And he was fine last week, but it, just, it doesn't look like himself. So those are the kind of things that are I'm really struggling with here. So ideally, Slay plays. And uh, I think I would play the Eagles six and a half. If he doesn't or it's questionable, I think I would need seven here. So I don't disagree with you, but uh, a couple of difficult things to get a, get a hold of here in regards to the Eagles secondary and Kyler Murray's health. Yeah, so and I, I, I like the the secondary is definitely a worry, but it's kind of one of those worries that's a little more like it looks a little more alarming than it is. Then it's going to affect the line when you actually look at the numbers of even Slay. I mean, Slay is allowing a seventy six percent catch rate on a year. He's been, you know, he's been dusted as it as it is. Um, you know, it's not like he's. Out, he, like he had a couple of good games earlier in the year, but he's been struggling in coverage uh, a ton. And then you look at Maddox; he's allowing a 102 passer rating. He's got no picks. He's given up a couple of scores. Like the drop off at this point. I mean, the secondary is going to be shaky regardless. Now, the thing is about Schwartz and, and that defense is they'll play some man, but they they they're not necessarily going to send a lot of extra blitzers. So they will still drop back guys in the coverage, which helps them mitigate some of that a little bit. But none of their secondaries really been playing good outside of McLeod. McLeod is, I think, the biggest drop-off. Um, and that's why, yeah, I would have it under five uh, if McLeod was, was in there. That, that, that's the biggest loss. But I still think it's too much. And I, I still think the Eagles with, uh, you know, have kind of the benefit of there's only one game now of film here on Hurts. And Taysom Hill is a mobile quarterback. So, you know, the recent results – are somewhat promising. Yeah, I mean, he'll, I mean, he'll still – he didn't run as much as I thought he should have. Uh, he's a BYU tight end. Uh, he should run the ball a lot more than throw. But, yeah, I mean, Hertz looked, Hertz looked okay. It was a very simplified offense. They just gave him really easy – it seems like he's still a one-read quarterback. And they didn't have any drops. Their offensive line played really well against the Saints defense. So it was kind of like a, a perfect storm for Hertz. But his mobility gives them – but bottom line, you couldn't have played worse than Wentz. Like, I, I had the Eagles upgraded to when Wentz was in there, which yeah. is crazy for me because it's a rookie quarterback and not one that, like, went in the top ten that was supposed to just come in and, and shred right away. But his mobility gives them another added dimension to the offense. But the, the point I'll bring up with their secondary, and I'm not even the biggest Darius Slay fan just because I'm hardly a fan of any cornerback once they turn over the age of 30. I'd maybe call it ageism or whatever, but that's uh, – you know that. So, especially one that has to lock down opposing number ones. But it's not so much – you know, and this is true with a lot of positions in the NFL when handicapping, and it's very difficult to do. I don't think anyone has the right answer. It's more art than science. Is it's when there's a cluster of injuries. So you're talking maybe you have, you know, four, three starters out, and 
the other starters moving to another position and then you have rookies in there and then you have your slot moving outside. So like that is trying to figure out how much that is worth. Mainly it's not even the talent drop off at this point, this late in the season. It's the communication. Like is how many, is it going to lead to some busted coverages? Cause people don't know where they're at and how much do you have to simplify the defense? And because I mean, you have a safety doesn't know where they're supposed to be in a corner lets a receiver go and it's an 80 yard touchdown and boom, it's a different game right from the jump. So that's just a difficult thing for me to figure out here, but I, I don't hate the play at all. I think that's where the value is. You know, the best thing about the Cardinals is in this spot they're So they're making uh, Andy Isabella a healthy scratch. It looks like they don't really have a receiver that can score an 80 yard touchdown. <laughs> like, you know, Hopkins, that's, I mean, he's the closest thing they have. So, but yeah, no, I totally agree. It, it's really tough. I mean, that was the issue at San Francisco earlier in the year. And that, and uh, I think it was against the Giants and Jets and um, actually ended up biting, biting me, downgrading it too much. So it's, it's tough. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a very, it's one of the most difficult things to cap in the NFL, but I, I agree. I think it's, it's Eagles or nothing. Uh, for my third pick and the fifth pick of the Sunday six-pack, I, re- I really struggle with this, to which one I wanted to go with third with waiting on some injuries and quarterbacks. But I decided to go with the New York football Giants plus four and a half at home against the Cleveland Browns. I, the, and look, this is another game where I don't know who's necessarily playing a quarterback. I make this line around three. You do have the Browns on a short week after a very emotional game going to New York. They're still in a good good place postseason-wise, but they could, they could really use this game still. But you could see a slight hangover here. The Giants have generally been pretty good against the run, and they've pretty much been in every game this year outside of the San Fran game, which was just their clunker. Teams are going to have clunkers. What's your, and last week they did two against Arizona, and they couldn't do anything. I mean, this is a team that had 53 yards, I believe, in the first half. But why did that happen? I mean, they had Daniel Jones in there on one foot, like one leg. Like they, and then he had a, a hurt answer going in, then he sprained his ankle. So much of what Daniel Jones can do out there is because of his mobility. You know, it doesn't have the greatest offensive line, so he has to create some space in the pocket to throw, but also just using his legs to pick up first downs. I, I, they just kept him in. They shouldn't have had him in there. Are they going to have him in there this week? I don't know, to be honest. I'm assuming that they won't put him out there if he's not fully healthy. From the last news I read, they are saying that they are willing to accept, and this is this is from what uh, the coach Joe Judge is saying, they're willing to accept Jones's limitations and will start him if he can get through the practice week. Well, I don't love that. Um, but uh, that that's basically what happened last week is that Jones couldn't move. So you hope that if they do play him, he's either healthier or his ankle is better or his hamstring is better. Uh, he'll also be going up against – the Cardinals defense is not great by any stretch, uh, but the Browns defense right now is – I mean, it's bad, especially on the back end. They might be getting Ward back, which will help a corner, but how much does that really help against the Giants? Not much. I think that Evan Ingram could have a huge game. The Giants should be able to run it on Cleveland. I mean, this back end of the Cleveland defense, especially at safety and linebacker, is just absolutely atrocious. And you have to remember, when you're looking at their numbers, you have three horrifying win games in there. So their defensive numbers should be much worse. And their offensive numbers, I like. I mean, 
Baker Mayfield has played a little better than I thought over the past weeks. We know their offensive line is great. We know their running game is great. Their offensive numbers should be better too overall. I got to just to be fair. But this Giants team will fight. It's a great time to buy them low after that clunker last week. You hope you get better QB health, whether that's Jones can't go and you get McCoy in there. Remember, McCoy went to Seattle and won. He can still complete short passes uh, against a bad defense, which is what the Browns are. And I think that the Giants can compete here with their run defense, which is really key against Cleveland. Mainly, these are all just reasons that I'm giving that I do like and believe in, but I, I make this line about three. So I'm getting four and a half, five at home after the Giants had that clunker last week. So uh, I'm willing to side with the home dog here who, for all intents and purposes, is playing for their season because they're then they're at Baltimore next week after dropping that game last week and Washington won. This basically could make or break their season. So give me the Giants uh, catching the Browns on a short week in New York. Yeah, I, this is when I, I thought really hard about because I actually have a projected edge around the same uh, as you do. Uh, really, the only thing that gave me pause was that, that judge quote because I talked about it in a piece I wrote about the NFC East last week. Like the Giants are the game plan team. Like They're going to outcoach most teams and come with a better game plan most weeks. And what happened last week? They got – they, they, they got out coached. They, you know, they, there were, there were defensive fronts that the cards kind of showed them that, that they weren't expecting. And really, I think it, it really came through because Daniel Jones didn't have that mobility and they didn't have that ability to kind of adjust on the fly to what, you know, the cards were doing uh, without that mobility. So yeah, it's, it's something I think you have to monitor throughout the week. Um, but from a, just from a pure pro- projections perspective, uh, I, too, see some value on this line. Just waiting to kind of see what's up with, uh, with Danny Jones. Let's hear it for Danny Dimes. All right, for my final pick, the sixth pick of the Sunday six-pack, we are going, we're getting ugly here, or maybe, maybe it's not ugly, depending how you look at it, but did it last week, going to do it again. And this is, I think, probably the highest line I've taken in the history of this podcast, but Rams minus 17 against the New York Jets. This is purely because I expect the Jets to get blown out for a second week in a row. Uh, on the road, look at this Rams team. The defense is impeccable. Uh, they're not going to be able – they're not going to – you know, the Jets, their strength on offense is wide receivers. They have Mims. They have Crowder. They have Perriman. They get nothing out of the tight end. They run Frank Gore out there for half, at least half the snaps. They're really getting nothing out of the backfield. So their wide receivers have to come through for them to move the ball on offense. Well, the Rams have Jalen Ramsey. They have, you know, Troy Hill. They, they can completely take away your wide receivers. And we kind of saw with, with Cam Newton last week, you know, he was able to get, you know, a couple of uh, explosive plays, but nothing else for the entire game ends up getting benched. Uh, this could be a game where we see some Joe Flacco because I don't expect the Rams to give up anything. So it's really about them getting, I think, you know, getting to 20, mid-20s in points, which, you know, earlier in the year they kind of skidded on that against the Giants in one game. But uh, this Jets defense, uh, it's not – it hasn't been very good. I mean, they gave up a huge amount of points to Seattle, who is, you know, playing shaky offense. Uh, to the point where Seattle was playing their second stringers for the entire fourth quarter. So uh, this is another spot. Just Adam Gase's teams. Usually, you're betting on the big, 
road dog here, but Adam Gase uh, as a road dog, anytime he's five and a half or higher, uh, it's he's five and nineteen against the spread, uh, and that that trend holds when you're looking at double digit spreads. So going Rams minus seventeen against the Jets. Yeah, I'll play devil's advocate here. I mean, the the, the counterpoints to everything that I'm saying is it's Jets, Adam Gase. I mean, because he tends to be the exception to the rule to all of this, uh, to all of what I'm about to say. But if you know, this is a great buy low, sell high spot in the NFL on the surface. You know, the, the Rams do have extra prep, but the Rams win by 17 more or more. The Jets lost by 17 or more. When that happens in the NFL and those two teams meet the following game, the team that lost by 17 or more, 94-60-4 against the Spreads of 2,361%. That just speaks to – and what that speaks to is probably the little bit of extra value that you'll get on the market over reaction – also, teams that lose by 35-plus in their previous game, which the Jets did, just did, 62-37-5, and 62.6% against the spread. That's over a 20% ROI. So on, a, on the surface, from a spot perspective, from my line, I see a touch of value. I would actually have to contemplate the Jets. I don't, I don't know if I would actually pull the trigger. Because I would actually I would also put – Put my undefeated one and zero against the spread record betting on the Jets in 2020. If it reached 17 and a half, 18, I do make it a bit lower. There's also one other thing I'll throw out here: the Rams have the Seahawks next week, basically for the division. So do they come out a little flat early? Does golf just give you a bad turnover? Do they go ultra vanilla? Do they go ultra conservative with a lead and the Jets get in the back door? I don't know. These are things that I thought about. Reason I'm mentioning them. But then I just go back to, I mean, you, you look at double-digit dogs in the NFL historically have been a good bet over the last five years. The Jets have been horrible. The Ace has been horrible in these spots. It's their second straight trip out on the West Coast for a team that hasn't won a game all year. Uh, I mean, do they even show up? They have so many injuries on the defensive end as well. Yeah, so it's hard for me to come up with any reasons why the Jets would cover other than I show a tad bit of value. It's not a great spot for the Rams to want to blow this open, but they just might naturally because they're a lot better. But just keep those in mind at buy low, sell high spot. After what you saw last week, more times than not, if you bet on the team just blindly that lost by three touchdowns against the team that won by two, that won by three touchdowns the week prior, you're probably going to win more times than not. Um, but uh, fading the Jets and fading Gates, I can't disagree with you. So Adam Gates is 2-8 and eight as a double-digit road dog. Uh, against the spread and he's one in three when the spread is 17 uh, or more so yeah he's just the exception and I'm betting against him for the rest of the year I mean I'm pretty sure he's going to be gone when the year is out but uh, this is just a spot where I think the Rams are like you look at what Seattle did to the Ram, uh, to the Jets and then you look at the Rams beat Seattle what was it 24-13 a couple weeks ago I just think the Rams are even better than Seattle on both sides of the ball right now and uh, uh, yeah I don't expect the Jets to be able to keep it close really that, that's kind of my thing here Fair enough. All right. So to recap, stuck going with the Patriots plus two and a half, the Broncos plus six, and the Giants plus four and a half. I am going with the 49ers minus three, the Eagles plus six and a half, and the Rams minus 17. That was our Sunday six pack with some Saturday games thrown in. Reminder you can follow all of the picks on the app. Just search for Sunday six pack and the Action Network's apps follow feature next up we have our favorite over under plays of the week all right stuck uh i will take the lead on the total since you went first for the 
six pack. I am going with the Patriots Dolphins under 41 and a half for many of the reasons you just mentioned with Belichick and a rookie quarterback. If you are looking at an under and you know, you're kind of looking at it from the perspective of, okay, is one of these teams or both of these teams potentially going to kind of fall short of living up to their end of the bargain. And I think in this case, Miami being the favorite, especially uh, may not get to those 20, what is it? 22 or so implied points, 21, 22 and a half implied points uh, in this game. I, I think that Belichick can hold them into the teens, especially they're dealing with some injuries. You know, Devontae Parker, he's practicing on a limited basis, but uh, t- their tight end, Gasicki's out. So they don't really have a pass catching tight end. Uh, now they're going to go with Shaheen and Durham Smith uh, at that. And position. that's what Tua, Tua, Parker, I, look, I have Parker on my, fan, on my one fantasy team. That, I mean, he's just, he's irrelevant when Tua starts and he, Tua loves throwing to Gasicki. Yeah, it's a tough spot for Miami anyway, just with some of the injuries they're going through. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't expect them to kind of live up to their side of the bargain. And then we know it, what the Patriots like to do. They like to slow it down. They like to run the football as much as they can, shorten the game. And you don't necessarily expect them to out-exceed their implied point total in this game. Either Miami still overall pretty good on defense, even though they do struggle in run defense. So, I think that uh, I think this one's a good under bet here. Forty-one and a half paid past Dolphins. Uh, yeah, don't disagree with anything you said. For my favorite total of the week, I have to end a streak. I think I've hit five in a row of all Seattle unders, or four or five in a row. I think the market has finally caught up. Last week it actually probably should have hit. I think the Jets missed like four field goals, and then Geno Smith came in the fourth quarter. It was just that big of a blowout. If you if you get it over forty five, I'd like it a tad, but I I it's at forty four and a half now. I think the market knows now that Seattle is no longer your dream over team, and they become your dream under team. And now I think they're just neutral. Uh, that's what happens in the NFL market. So I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears, Minnesota Vikings under forty seven and a half at BetMGM. Uh, I make this lower. Uh, these are two six and seven teams fighting for an outside playoff shot in a division matchup late in the year might see two teams be fairly conservative here, but basically just when you look at when these teams play, the bears are the one team that really contains Dalvin cook. He just can't get it going against Chicago. And I mean, Akeem Hicks just has monster games against them. They take it personal and it's just Dalvin cook just never gets it going. And that's the focal point and the starting point of this Vikings offense. On the other side of the ball, the Vikings defense hasn't been great. It isn't a great unit. Mitch Trubisky has played better of late, but last week he played the Texans. They have no secondary left. It's Hargreaves and Phillip Gaines. It's a disaster. The week before, he played Detroit, the one team he always plays well against, that also has no no secondary. I mean, you're talking about two of the worst secondaries in the NFL the past two weeks. The week before that, he played Green Bay, and he had a a bunch of garbage time points when that game was 41-10. So, yeah, he has played better overall. I think that he's a better option than Foles. And the week before that, they played Minnesota. It was with Foles, and, you know, the Bears put up 13 points. So, yeah, Trubisky's played better, but it's been three weeks. One was in garbage time. Two were against two of the worst secondaries of defenses in the NFL. So, it's still Mitch Bortles. This is still Mitch Trubisky. You've just been Bortled. I don't see him lighting it up here. 
I think he's a better option than Foles at this point just because he offers some mobility. And I have said I like some things that the Bears have done with their offense the past couple weeks. Less Jimmy Graham. Montgomery's looked a, a little better. He's broken some runs. But overall, still an average, at best, offense on a good day. So I think this is a grinder. And I think uh, 47 and a half is too high. I think this game is played in the low low 20s. Yeah, you saw in the last matchup, Minnesota scores just 19 on the Bears on offense. And then the Bears score only 13 points, granted, with foals. But they need a Cordero Patterson kickoff return just to get there. So, yeah, that this is a game that this second matchup should be tight. Uh, definitely agree. Uh, this is an under game all the way. Uh, the one last thing that I'll, I'll add in here for that Bears-Vikings under, if all things go wrong, what you still have in your back pocket is Dan Bailey missing field goals. Uh, apparently they're not going to cut him. So to recap, I'm going Pats Dolphins under 41 and a half, stuck going Bears Vikes under 47 and a half. Now let's get into our favorite teaser of the week. Oh yeah. Six point teasers. All right. For those not familiar, a teaser is when you combine two or more bets for each bet, you get an extra six points or however many points you're teasing uh, toward the spread for each team. So for example, uh, if you're teasing an eight-point favorite with a six-point teaser, they become a two-point favorite, and an eight-point underdog becomes a 14-point underdog. Stuck, where are you going with your teaser for this week? I mentioned this early in the podcast. There's a few good teaser options, including the Chargers on Thursday night, the Bears, I think even at three, three and a half. But I'll give you one that fits the mold, and I'll go – I put this in on the action app already. The Patriots teasing them from two and a half up to eight and a half across that three, four, six, and seven. Also, lower scoring game makes it an even lower total. I also think, like you, it's going to be a lower scoring game. That makes the tease even more valuable. And uh, I'll throw them in with Green Bay. Green Bay's at minus eight and a half right now. Green Bay just seems like they're every week a great tease piece. Maybe they give up a backdoor. They almost did with Philly, but then they got one. They did with Detroit, but they're still covering the tees. So, uh, yeah, I think the Packers win this game. One of the things that you'll see, McCaffrey's not playing for the Panthers for what or doesn't look like he'll play for what it's worth. And one of the things that I think you're seeing with Carolina right now that I've talked about on the podcast all year is that defense is going to regress hard, especially that secondary. That happened with Minnesota late. It happened with Drew Locke last week. Rasul Douglas had a terrible game. He's not an elite corner. So uh, I don't think that I don't think that Aaron Rodgers will have any issues here against Carolina in an important game for Green Bay. NFC game. Have to keep pace and keep that one seed. So maybe Carolina gets in the back door here. Maybe not. But I'm comfortable with Rodgers winning this game at home. So Packers, Pats. Yeah, the Packers, I mean, the, the Panthers' defense, when they, they gave up four touchdowns to Drew Locke, no picks. I mean, that's – for a guy that's been – it's been picks, more t- more picks than touchdowns every and no week. garbage time. Right. It, it's it, – and, and didn't they get a Dante Jackson back for that game too? Like, it's yep. – yeah, it's nothing's helping because they're not really doing anything – they can't – they're not in position to do anything kind of exotic. They're just kind of going to sit back and – you know, their, their lack of talent is going to play out. So, yeah, Aaron yeah, Rodgers. Play, they, they play a ton of zone. I mean, good luck. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is going to pick that apart. Uh, for my tease, 
I mean, I could actually go with the Packers too, but the tease I chose, I'll stick with it, is uh, Patriots plus eight and a half and Colts minus one and a half. The Texans, I mean, they're decimated. Um, They look like they're going to get Cooks back, but Fuller is still just a huge loss um, to be without Fuller. But then on the other side of the ball, I mean, they're missing a ton of defensive backs. You know, their cornerback situation is just atrocious. You have the Colts. T.Y. Hilton's playing better. Uh, you know, they're not, oh, COVIDed up. Still still have some uh, issues at, at tackle, but nothing that should kind of give them problems in this game. And then on top of that, Jonathan Taylor's been getting hot lately, and Houston's the worst run defense in the league. So this is just a, a plus matchup for the Colts, I think, pretty much across the board. It is a division game, so weird things can happen. Uh, that's why I'd rather tease them than, than take them straight up at – at the at the number, which I think is pretty pretty much on point at seven and a half. So going Colts, Pats here. Yeah, the the Colts. I, I don't disagree with using the with the Colts here. They should win this game. Teasing Rivers, never a bad option. The one thing the Colts. We talked about how the, the how ridiculously soft the Steelers' schedule is. By the way, since Carson Wentz is now benched and Hurts is technically the starter, and the Steelers are going to face Brandon Allen this week. That means this will be the eighth backup quarterback that the Steelers have faced in 14 games. I mean, it's remarkable. Uh, but we talked about how, how easy the Steelers' schedule has been. At, after, last, after this past week, the Colts have faced the easiest schedule of opposing defenses. And I can't figure out their offense. I mean, here, here's where they played, and it helps to be in that division of trash defenses. Jags, Vikings, Jets, Browns, Bengals, Lions, Titans – Packers, Titans, Texans, Raiders, the only two above-average defenses. Packers have an above-average pass defense. But the only above-average defenses they played are the Ravens, who didn't have Marlon Humphrey, and they scored 10 points at three point, like three yards per play, and the Bears. And they didn't do much against the Bears either. 35% success rate against under four yards per play against both. So I do have questions about the offense. And it's not that Rivers has been bad. The running game hasn't been great. T.Y. Hilton is coming on, but it was against the Raiders, the Texans, and the Titans, three teams without a secondary. But maybe he's getting healthier, and he has had three big games in a row. But the offensive line just hasn't been as good as it was supposed to be coming into the year. That's hurt the run game. I think that's hurt the passing game. So I don't think that hurts them now. Guess what? They're playing another trash defense this week. But it's something to keep in mind for the playoffs. They played – the Jags at home, again, they still have left on their schedule somehow. But they do go to Pittsburgh next week. It's something to keep in mind whether or not you want to bet them next week for that game or just in the playoffs. Like, I, I want to see this team do something against a, on offense against a, a good defense, especially because their defense has been slipping. Maybe it's variance, but over the first half, over the first six or seven weeks, they were number three in the NFL. Since then, they were third worst in the NFL from an EPA perspective. So I do have some questions about the Colts. I'm trying to figure out who they are. Uh, with a lot of moving pieces from a statistical point of view. But uh, I don't think that hurts them this week against the Texans, but uh, just something to keep in mind. So I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that tease at all. Yeah, the Colts are another one of these teams that I think the schedule is going to create some value when we get to the playoffs betting against them. I mean, Rivers is not going to be able to play this well against defenses that can get more pressure or cover better. Uh, he's just limited at this stage in his career. And then uh, the defense, I think, is pretty solid, but you do have some guys kind of – playing a little bit above their head that could be exposed like Xavier Rhodes kind of came on and um, 
I think the Swippers lately is, you know, Okariki's been hurt. Uh, Buckner missed a game or two. Uh, Autry missed a game or two. They had some COVID situations. So, yeah, it's hard to get a read on this team, but they're definitely, I don't think, as good as what we've, you know, what we see on paper. All right. Now time for our Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. All right, Stuck. Washington, dangerous team. Hit last week for me. Uh, who are you going with this week? Yeah, to be fair, I was going to go with the Broncos last week, but there wasn't a lineup, so I went with Cincy. That was a ah. dud. Um, this week, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Washington, like you did last week. I think that there's some value in this line right now. The Washington defense we know is playing amazing. There are some major questions still with the Seattle offensive line that I think Washington might be able to exploit. And there are questions on the Washington side with who's going to play on offense, right? Like, is Alex Smith playing? He hasn't necessarily been great, but do you want Dwayne Haskins in there? Antonio Gibson going to play? One of their most electric playmakers all over. I mean, you have Terry McLaurin, but they use Gibson. He's their most explosive running back. They use him out of the backfield in the passing game. Is he going to play? I don't know. Even if he does, it's a toe. I know it sounds like, oh, it's a toe. Those things are tough. And, like, it's – they tend to linger. And they tend – they, for me at least, you probably will have more insight into this, especially since you project these – project players each week. It's always dicey when someone has a toe because, like, they could go in one play and then they're, they're out. Um, you see them limp into the sidelines. So there's a lot of variance with, like, who's playing for Washington, which is making me hesitant – the side, but with that variance and this line steaming up to Seattle, I think it's a good spot to take a flyer on Washington and that defense. Yeah, from a just in terms of the toe injuries, you see about about a twenty percent dip in production from running backs. Now that includes, you know, you're gonna have guys that just like you said go out uh, early in the game after playing through that that questionable tag or, or whatever. But yeah, I think Washington. I said this, you know, in my NFC East piece, they're gonna be a dangerous team for the rest of the year, I think, because they're motivated. I think that Pittsburgh win gave them a lot of confidence and they, they kind of have that emotional boost from, you know, Ron Rivera fighting cancer. They battle back, you know, yeah, I, I just think it's going to be a dangerous team and not a team that <laughs> you really want to be betting against at, at any point. Now I do, I get that. Like if it's, if it's Haskins in there, then it, it's tough to say, okay, we're going to bet on Haskins against Russell Wilson, but I think this Washington team is, you know, they're the team that's going to be dangerous down the stretch. And, you know, you look at what they did on defense last week. I mean, Chase Young just completely took over the game. And these are the type of teams that Seattle's been having trouble with, you know, teams that are that can play well on defense and keep Seattle's scoring in check. Then, then you're in the game with Seattle. And Seattle's defense has, yes, they've been improved, but – you know, once you're, you're talking about a low-scoring game, it could go either way. So, And Seattle still does rely on throwing it down the field so they can make some mistakes. So, yeah, I, I think Washington is a threat to win this game. Obviously, monitor the quarterback situation. Alex Smith, I think, is still a lot more ideal than, than Haskins. For uh, my Moneyline dog, I'm, I'm going to go with the Patriots. You know, I, I was thinking about the Bears here, but uh, thinking more about it, the Patriots – I expect them to win this game. They're not a big dog, uh, plus 120, but uh, this is a perfect spot. You broke it down, stuck, going against a rookie quarterback, coming off some long prep, and going against, you know, a coach that 
they're very familiar with. I think as an underdog, uh, the value is on New England here. A very winnable game for them. All right, let's get into the best of the rest, which are the games that we did not discuss in any other segment. First up, we have the Chiefs going to New Orleans. Chiefs are three-point favorites. This should be the game of the week. Stuck, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, again, this comes down to quarterback. It's very hard for me to project. Now, there's – look, the Chiefs haven't covered their own five against the spread in their last five. Now, they won all those games, but they're, some of the games are coming out a little flat. Some of them are allowing teams to get in the back door. This game is essentially meaningless to the Chiefs. So it's, I'm curious to see what they're going to do from a play-calling perspective. Do they keep it more conservative? Because, look, if they lose – I shouldn't say it's meaningless. If they win this game and then the Steelers lose to the Bengals or Colts, they can rest starters week 17. But this is an NFC game. If the Chiefs lose this game, as long as they beat the Falcons and the Chargers at home, then the year they have the one seed. So there's the offensive line injuries that the Chiefs are dealing with, and that is the way to beat Mahomes. You have to get pressure without blitzing. And the Saints can do that. They have plenty of good players off of the edge. They have good interior defensive linemen. They can get pressure without, gener- without having to rely on the blitz, and they don't. Um, this defense has been playing as one of the best units in the NFL all year long. I mean, other Saints offense is the best in the league. We don't have to go too deep there. You do have a Saints secondary that's Jekyll and Hyde. So is it going to be the really good Saints secondary? Is it going to be the disappointing Saints secondary? Your guess is as good as mine. But where this game will be decided on is what will the Saints offense look like? Here's what – if Drew Brees plays and is healthy, we don't know if he's healthy, but I assume – the Saints are one. The Saints are tied with the Packers. But the Packers have beat them. The Packers have an easier schedule. The ones he doesn't look great for them. So maybe they're. I, I wouldn't think that they would rush Breeze back with if he's not fully healthy with his, his lungs and broken ribs. If he plays and he's healthy, I make this line because I have the Saints right now, the number two team in the NFL power ratings wise. I make this line one point seven, one point eight. If if Breeze plays and is healthy he does not and Taysom Hill plays I make this line around four 4.2 so you can see my difference between them as at this point it's a little less than a field goal if they decide to go with Winston because they want to throw it and Hill has shown who he is I make the line around three so Winston plays no play if Reese plays and I assume he's healthy I like the Saints although I do think if Hill plays and I would say chances are that that's probably the route they go as of right now I, there are some things that the Saints can do. They might just go completely run heavy, using Hill a lot to run it, control the clock against Kansas City's bad run defense, keep Mahomes on the sidelines, and shorten this game. That's one route they could go. And Hill, with his skill set running the ball, he could have some success here. So there's just a lot of moving parts here with who's going to play quarterback for the Saints, depending on which of the three. I don't even know if Winston even has a prayer. But would he, it would decide whether I like the Chiefs, the Saints, or a pass? I think the Saints can, like, this is, even with Hill, I agree. I think this is like a sneaky upset spot for the Saints. Um, Sean Payton coming off a loss. You know, he'll have this team uh, prepared. He's 46-25 and 25 against the spread coming off a loss, 65%. Uh, percent. The, the Saints are also a, a state at 75%, 9-3 against the spread as a home dog under Sean Payton. It hasn't happened often. Uh, so this is, a, this is kind of a spot where, uh, it hasn't been smart to bet against Sean Payton. So I, this is probably not – it's probably Saints or nothing for me either way. Um, this could also be a sneaky under game if 
if uh, Hill indeed goes. And it looks like Breeze isn't going to go. And I, I think when, they said Winston would get like a long-term look, you know, in the future. But I don't think that had anything to do with this week. So it looks like it's going to be uh, Taysom. The next game we have up here is the Jags plus 12 and a half at Baltimore. Baltimore, Baltimore just put wide receivers Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, and James Prochet, who also returns punts for them on the COVID-19 list. Uh, not sure if these guys are definitely going to miss or they're just close contacts and could be cleared at this point as we record. But uh, thoughts on this one stuck. Yeah, I got to wait to see on the COVID news. And uh, I mean, on the surface, I made this line around 13, 13 and a half. Uh, the Jags are terrible. Uh, the Ravens should be able to run the ball on them. Uh, I don't know if there's much Jacksonville can do, although there's some injuries to watch on Baltimore secondary as well. They also could be a little flat to short week after that, like basically season saving win. So I would have shocked me if Jacksonville gets in the back door here or the Ravens just do enough to win by seven to 10. No, would have shocked me if the Jags get blown out. No. So there's a lot of things to monitor here from injury and COVID situation for Baltimore, but uh, it's hard to see myself having a position in this game. And then we have the Bucks as five and a half point favorites over the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, uh, this is I, I see value in the Falcons, especially if you can get six. But it's I mean the Falcons in the red zone woes, and is Julio Jones going to play? I mean the difference between Julio Jones playing and not with that offense is enormous. And I need to know that he's fully healthy to back Atlanta here uh, to keep up with Tampa. So ultimately, especially if they're going to be settling for field goals all day, value here is with the Falcons. I don't know where this team is at mentally after last week, too. But it's a divisional game. I'm sure they'll probably be up for it. But I see more reasons to not bet this game than to bet it. Uh, maybe this line goes crazy and it gets to seven. Then obviously I would, I would take Atlanta. But I do see a small bit of value at six on the Falcons. But, I mean, Julio is just so important from – you just look at yards per route run. I mean, the guy who's – what he's around – Look how big he is, and he ran like a four three forty. That's not fair. He's not. You're not supposed to be that good. Obviously, he's probably going to go into downward trajectory soon. But if you have him and Ridley out there, the offense. It's just the offense is so much different, and I don't. I don't have any confidence that he's going to play this weekend or be out there for the entire game. The Falcons are done. I, I mean, I'm sure they're not going to try and force anything with them. So maybe a pass here. Yeah, I'm showing some value on the Falcons as well, but it does look like Julio's week to week. So that that's not ideal. Uh, don't really, like you said, see a reason to back the Pats here. So probably a stay away. Could be a sneaky under game. The Falcons defense still holding opponents in the 20s. So, uh, you know, if you expect the Bucks to win and you expect the Falcons defense to hold the opponent in the 20s, you're probably not getting to total of 50 and a half. So get over that total. Under. Yeah, so that, that might be the play here, especially uh, if no Julio. All right. That wraps it up for the best of the rest. Let's get into our Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. All right, it's week 15. Uh, We've both lost numerous times already this year, but uh, if you had to take a Survivor team for this week, where are you going? Yeah, I mean, when I did my Survivor, thanks, Dolphins beating the Niners, when I mapped out my whole year, my reason was I wanted to be one of the few left standing and then have the Ravens when I assume not many people would for this week. 
now if you have the Rams, you're in good shape too. You can still use them. But uh, yeah, I haven't used the Ravens yet. And this was the week I, the whole, the whole reason why uh, I wanted to save the Ravens all the way until the end of the year. So uh, I would use the Ravens here. Yeah, same. Um, th- that's kind of a slam dunk matchup. Just hope, hope that uh, nobody, no, no more further COVID uh, shenanigans go down with the team. But as of now, it looks like you just have the three receivers on the list. So not a reason to panic yet. I mean, losing Brown for the game would hurt a, a bit, but this is still uh, a Jaguars team that's going to be vulnerable on defense. And they do have Mark Andrews back, so shouldn't be too big of a, of a loss, even if he sits. But yeah like the Ravens for this week. That's going to do it for this week's Action Network NFL podcast. You can follow Stucky on the Action Network app at Stucky2 and me at Chris Raybon. You can find us on Twitter at the same handles. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for all of our betting and fantasy football content already mentioned, but big podcast schedule uh, coming up to end the year. We'll have uh, the – of course, these episodes next Wednesday, we'll also have our Christmas NBA betting episode, new NBA episodes every week in January. Uh, and between now and New Year's Eve, Stuck and Colin will be doing uh, their college football bowl game betting previews with four episodes breaking down how to bet every single bowl game. So stay tuned for those, of course, the Fantasy Flex. For those of you guys in the playoffs, that's still out every Wednesday. Check that out as well. And uh, good luck this weekend. Let's get this money. Go Ravens. We're finished talking.